The Memphis Grizzlies have one more game before the All-Star break. One more chance on Wednesday night to try to break out of their funk. It's gotten better recently, but that certainly doesn't mean all is well and all is fixed. They say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I'm not talking about getting insane on this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. I want to get weird. Let's fix the rotations of the Memphis Grizzlies right now on Locked On Grizzlies. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another installment of Locked on Grizzlies. I am your host for this episode, Joe Molinax. Once again, flying solo. The hope is for DeMichael Cole, my wonderful co-host over at the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis. Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. The hope is he'll rejoin me on Wednesday's show. Continue to be patient with us. DeMichael working through some stuff. Everything's going okay. Everything's fine. Uh, but shout out to DeMichael. He will hopefully be back uh, with us on our Wednesday broadcast. This episode of Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. We are proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network here at Locked On Grizzlies, your team each and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, and you can also check us out over on YouTube. We have had a very live last several days over on YouTube, over 50 comments on the last video, the last time I checked. Lots of good points, interactions. I even had some of you guys defending me. Check that out. That doesn't happen very often for me, my wonderful listener, my wonderful viewer, you and I on this journey together. You're starting to like me. You're so, Just admit it. You are. Even though DeMichael looks better than me, you know, you know, you, you're, you're starting to feel the vibes. The Grizzlies vibes are still immaculate. Our vibes are growing together. And I'm excited to continue to grow with you and alongside you on this journey, checking out the Memphis Grizzlies. So continue to comment, continue to like, interact with us there, share the show, rate, review, subscribe, all those sorts of things, whether it's wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube or both. Thanks for making us a part of your journey. On this episode, I promise to get a little bit weird. No, not that kind of weird. I know we're on YouTube and on podcasts and things can get a little bit strange from time to time. Not that kind of show. We're a family-friendly show here at Lockdown Grizzlies. I'm getting weird with the Memphis Grizzlies, and I'm getting weird with the rotation. As I mentioned, to start the show, one game left before the All-Star break for the Memphis Grizzlies. It is Wednesday night. It's not tonight. It's Wednesday night against the Utah Jazz, and the Memphis Grizzlies are likely to get a little bit of practice in today, trot out the uh, the old Grizzlies players in the practice center. Try to get some free throws up, get some shots up. Maybe dabble with a little more experimentation now that Luke Kennard is in the fold. I'm intrigued by all of these things. And I know this is not going to happen. I want to preface all of this with that, all right? Save the anger, save the frustration, save the they'll never do that. I know they're not going to do it. I know going in. Dear listener, dear viewer, I'm well aware this is a thought exercise. These are things that if I were the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, and for the record, I am not the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, just in case you were concerned. But if I was, these are some things that I personally would consider trying to shake things up a little bit. Because again, Memphis has played better. 
in recent games. It's not like everything is smooth sailing and calm seas. There are still some issues with this team. They miss Steven Adams tremendously, probably miss him a lot more than they should miss a player of Steven Adams caliber. But he is extremely good at screening, extremely good as a rebounder. He does things that the Grizzlies do not do as a whole well. He covers up a lot of those flaws. So kudos to Steven Adams for that. He is an important player, almost like the Tony Allen of this group of the Grizzlies. His impact is more noticeable than perhaps it should be. Maybe is the best way to put it. But to go from washed in New Orleans, and I put that in air quotes for those of you listening to the show, um, in New Orleans, there were plenty of folks saying that he couldn't play anymore. That's obviously not the case. Stephen Adams, a very good basketball player still, and the Grizzlies desperately need him back, hopefully coming out of the All-Star break. He ain't going to be there on Wednesday, though. He's not going to show up. Stephen Adams is not walking through that door in full Grizzlies uniform, ready to play the Jazz. So how do we get creative? How do we get a little bit of weird, a little bit uh, frisky, so to speak, with these rotations? I have three suggestions, all right? The first one will have to do with the starters. The second one will have to do with first reserves. And the second one will have to do with the dreaded fourth quarter, where the Memphis Grizzlies, more often than not, go completely off the rails. Three ideas to try to rectify some of these issues. Let's start with number one. Number one, the starting lineup. Xavier Tillman against the Boston Celtics grabbed two rebounds. Count them. Two rebounds in roughly 24 minutes of play. That is unacceptable. One of the reasons that Xavier Tillman is out on the floor in place of Steven Adams is because, theoretically speaking, he does a lot of the same kinds of things that Steven Adams does. He's a solid screener, solid rebounder. He brings those things to the table maybe even a little bit more switchable on defense. That is fair and true. We saw that against the Celtics. A little bit more switchability when Tillman is on the floor. However, again, Tillman, two rebounds against the Celtics. If he's not going to rebound, why is he on the floor? My suggestion, again, remember, we're getting weird here. Don't yell at me and tell me that they're never going to do this. I know. This is what I would do to shake things up. You know who I would start at the five? Jaron Jackson Jr. That's not that weird, you say. That's not that strange. You know who I would start at the four? David Roddy. I would start David Roddy as a big, and here's why. If you watch Colorado State tape, and don't lie and say that you watched Colorado State before Roddy was picked. Don't act like you're a David Roddy expert because you're not. All right? I see right through you. But once Roddy was selected, I'd watched plenty of tape on David Roddy, as I tend to do in my past covering the Memphis Grizzlies over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Old habits die hard. I watched some film and David Roddy had a lot of success at Colorado State playing as a big, sometimes as a five man playing center in extremely small ball lineups. No, I'm not going to suggest that David Roddy should play the five. That would be crazy even for this crazy episode. But Jaron Jackson Jr. can play the five and David Roddy can play the four. Now, Joe, they don't are, they're not going to be able to do anything with Jaron at the five. He's going to get into foul trouble too early. Maybe you're right. Statistically, you're not wrong. Jaron has had issues there. But I have been a very vocal, not which is similar to Ocal, a very vocal proponent of playing Jaron at the five more and allowing him to get into foul trouble. So again, remember, the, the purpose of this exercise is I'm the head coach, theoretically. I'm going to let Jaron get into foul trouble. I'm going to let him work through these things because, again, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again with the expending the different result. 
So I'm going to let Jaron go out there with four fouls in the second quarter. I'm going to make him figure it out. And if he doesn't figure out, he fouls out. Oh, and there's Xavier Tillman. And I'm going to get the same thing out of Xavier Tillman that I was getting otherwise. But David Roddy can create off the dribble. David Roddy has a solid three-point shot. David Roddy is a versatile defender. If you want to continue to be switchable, he most certainly can do that, both on the perimeter and down low. He has a strong, thick frame that allows for him to absorb contact. He doesn't have the length that you want from a four-man long-term. He doesn't have the size that would be able to hang with the bigger front courts in the NBA. But what he does have is the ability to switch and the ability to create off the dribble and the ability to cut and slash and be active offensively, more so than Xavier Tillman. We saw attempts at more switching against the Celtics. We also saw attempts at more screens. It's a chance to allow for Jaron Jackson Jr. to get better at things that he is not currently good at. And it's a chance for the offense to not have an offensive option in Xavier Tillman, who, unless he's driving to the basket, is not really a threat. That's not to say that David Roddy is some elite three-level scorer, but he's better than Xavier Tillman in that role. And you still have Dylan Brooks defensively. Hopefully his shot continues to start to come around. We see flashes of that. Obviously the best young backcourt in the NBA, John Morant, Desmond Bain, still present. So instead of Xavier Tillman being that 20-ish minute guy as a starter, I'm going David Roddy. I'm leaning into the switchability. I'm leaning in to secondary facilitation. I'm leaning into a corner shooter that can convert that shot at a higher rate than Xavier Tillman. Are there concerns with it? Of course, rebounding. Low post defense, putting Jaron as that stress point as the center. There's concerns. We're getting crazy here. We're getting weird. I'm trying to shake things up a bit. And starting David Roddy at the four would most certainly do that. And it would put him in a position to be successful at a spot that he had success at in college. Why not? Let's give it a look. It's not going to happen. But remember, for the next 20 minutes or so, I am the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. And I'm going to shake up this rotation. I'm going to talk about the reserve unit and uh, getting large here in a little bit here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if you, your first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel Sports app, safe, secure, super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, three-pointers drain. The Grizzlies against the Jazz. That'll be an interesting game to bet. Who's healthy? Who's going to be out there for Memphis? How involved will Luke Kennard be after a couple days to get further integrated with the system? Luke Kennard making three or more threes seems like a good bet to me, depending on how many minutes he gets. You can make bets like that, as well as other exclusive bets like the two-by-three, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine bets for a chance at a bigger score through the single game parlay or same game parlay. Excuse me. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to fanduelcom slash locked on, that's fanduelcom slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're getting big coming up next here on lockdown Grizzlies. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to lockdown Grizzlies. I am your host, Joe Molinax for this episode. Again, no DeMichael Cole today, uh, wishing him well. He's going to be fine. Don't want to put any fear out there. Just handling some business that he needs to attend to. We hope that he will be back with us for the Wednesday episode of Lockdown Grizzlies, leading in to the game against the Utah Jazz. But for this episode, you've got me, and I don't know if you've noticed or not, I'm going crazy. I started David Roddy, 
in the first part of the show, replacing Xavier Tillman. Let's continue the strainness, shall we? So Roddy, obviously, is going to be one of the first subs out. Maybe you want Santi Aldama to be that next guy in. Brandon Clark is the next guy that comes in after that. But Brandon Clark is going to replace Dylan Brooks. He's not going to replace Santi Aldama or Jaron Jackson Jr. So what does that mean? I've got John Morant, Desmond Bain, Santi Aldama, Brandon Clark, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, we've seen versions of this front court briefly, right? Santi Aldama started a game as the quote-unquote three-man recently. And it didn't have terrible results. Santi Aldama has an offensive game that is comparable to that of a wing, especially when it comes to his ability to shoot the basketball. He's having a strong season, especially considering it's his sophomore campaign. In that respect, he's played over 1,100 minutes so far, according to Cleaning the Glass, and he is shooting 38% from beyond the arc. That's pretty darn good for a big man. In fact, he is in the 64th percentile among bigs. 73rd percentile when it comes to the corner three. Aldama is shooting 44% from the corner. So you see Santi doing a lot of good work. He's a middle-of-the-road big man in terms of his shooting. Offensively, he has the capacity, he has the handle, the base level of game, that he can log some minutes as a three-man. The concern then, of course, is how he does defensively, and that is not a strength of Santi's. Excuse me. Statistically, he is one of the worst defenders on the Memphis Grizzlies. How do you rectify that? How do you say this is a good idea when you see the struggles that Santi has in terms of giving up open shots? There's a play against the Celtics that stands out in my mind, for example, of when he really struggled on a switch in a pick-and-roll situation. Luke Kennard was left hanging out to dry, and there was a wide-open layup for a Celtics offensive player. Your eyes don't deceive you. The defense is worse when Santi's on the court. In fact, they're about four points worse. That's 19th percentile in the NBA per cleaning the glass. That's not all entirely Santi's fault. It depends on who he's playing with. Plus minus numbers, even when it comes to ratings, are not perfect science. But it does show and say that what you're, again, what your eyes tell you is the team is worse when he's on the floor defensively. Now, what are some things that they do better at? He can rebound relatively well. He's a strong creator of offense for himself off the dribble. Doesn't mean he has the best handle, but he's able to make his own shot. And he also finds ways to convert those threes coming off of dribble penetration, which is one of the reasons that I want to keep John Santi together as much as I can. Tyus Jones is able to physically do those things. Obviously, John Morant's just better at it. So having Santi out there with a Desmond Bain or a Luke Kennard, if you want to make that switch, similar concept, Aldama, Clark, and Jackson Jr., that allows for you to be in a position to have a lot of size in the front court. You can perhaps solve or rectify some of the issues with rebounding. Santi's not elite in that area, but he's not bad either. He's in the you know, uh, 33rd percentile, so that's actually not the best when it comes to rebounding as a big. But again, if we're comparing him to being a perimeter player, that would be a little bit more, more uh, palatable, a little easier to stomach if you're looking at Santi from that lens of a perimeter wing as opposed to being a big. He doesn't have the lateral foot speed to defend consistently on the perimeter. That's not going to be a strength of his. And it's going to place, again, in my second scenario, Jaron Jackson Jr. remains the center. This is a hill that I'm more than likely willing to die on. I want to continue to see Jaron get those minutes. He has to get better at it. 
He has to become a better rebounder. He has to become a better scorer off the dribble in mismatches, and he has to get better at defending without fouling. Now, he has improved in that area. I want to stress that. The, the narrative nationally is a very lazy one, making it sound like he is not actually doing what he's supposed to do in that area, that he's struggling, he's not the type of defender that he's supposed to be. He is posting a career best in defensive foul percentage, 4.2% or foul percentage in general, I should say. This is similar to the mark that he posted last season. So while you would have liked to see continued growth, at least he is not regressing. He is staying the same. And he was not that bad last season. He's 47th percentile this season, so roughly middle of the road. When you compare that to his 5.9 block percentage, which is the best in the NBA, when you compare that to his 1.5% steal percentage, which is in the top 13 percentile in the entire league, You'll take the good with the bad in terms of those fouls. When you play as aggressively as Jaron does, you're going to have some foul issues. I'm going to continue to lean into that. Remember, I'm crazy, dear listener, dear viewer. I am loco. I am losing it. I'm going to lean in to Jaron as a center because I believe that he needs the reps in order to get better at it. How do you expect somebody to grow and develop and find their comfort level and their zone, so to speak, in that space if you're not going to allow him to explore the said space. So I'm going crazy. I'm going to let Jaron keep getting those minutes at the five, and I'm going to put Santi at the three and allow for those two guys who are both shooting roughly 38% this year from three, plus a Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard type, who I'll talk more about here later on, to play alongside Ja Morant and give Ja even more space to operate, more guys to play in the pick and roll with, more players to potentially cut and dash and slash off of. Lots of opportunity, especially with Brandon Clark in terms of that pick and roll game that he remains one of the best guys in the NBA at in terms of finishing at the rim. Brandon is having another extremely efficient year finishing at the basket. Lean into that. Give him room to work. If it's John Morant or Tyus Jones, because obviously Tyus and Brandon have a lot of chemistry, pick and roll and you've got Santi Aldama, Jaron Jackson Jr. and one of Baina Kennard on the perimeter. Who's going to help off? You have three capable shooters out along the three-point line, plus a solid creator in Tyus Jones, an extremely good creator off the dribble, and John Morant, and one of the league's best finishers in the pick and roll, and Brandon Clark. That is offensively efficient basketball. That is something that in the half court you can have some success with. But it's not traditional. While Taylor Jenkins has given Santi Aldama at the three minutes in terms of just trying it, he hasn't stuck with it. And in fairness to Taylor Jenkins, I have voiced my concerns about whether or not it's even possible for that to be feasible. But you have to lean into the concept that this Grizzlies roster as constructed is flawed. There is no Mikel Bridges. There is no Kevin Durant. They don't have a guy to be that fourth man. They have to try to find that skill set and replicate where they can within the aggregate or in the aggregate. Santi Aldama is six foot eleven. He's certainly no Kevin Durant. But he can create mismatches on the perimeter like Lowry Markinen, who the Grizzlies will see on Wednesday night in their final game before the All-Star break. He can go and be that kind of player in spurts. I'm not advocating for Santi Aldama to start. I already did that crazily for David Roddy. I want to see Aldama come in and play more on the perimeter. His game is built and based in that way. He's strong as a three-point shooter. He can create a little bit off the dribble for himself. He's solid in transition. Let him play to his strengths. Help him find his footing. 
Zaire Williams hasn't found his footing yet. He's trying to do that in the G League with the Memphis Hustle. But you are trying to make Zaire Williams a player that he has not been throughout his career. You're trying to help him grow as a three-point shooter. Santi Aldama is already there. He's already in the mix and mode and model of what you're looking for from a player in this rotation. He's probably your ninth guy. Help him continue to find ways to space the floor alongside these guys. So big front court, big fan here in Joe Molinax. So that's my second crazy idea. Go even further down the Santi Aldama at the three legend. See where it takes you. Maybe it takes you to the abyss. Maybe it takes you to a place where he can't defend wings. You're right back where you started, and you're trotting out John Conchar and guys like that. And you know what that looks like. At least you're getting a better look at things in the here and now with this different opportunity. We'll talk about my last idea to try to help the fourth quarter in particular next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently, matching open roles with people who have skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to open jobs using their targeting tools. They go beyond resume data using insights from your job posts, company, and the 875 million member profiles on LinkedIn Jobs put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's 2023 now. We're well into the year and you're trying to find people that are going to help you achieve your goals. Finding the right team member can help you do just that. It is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Helping Memphis start the end of the game faster. Next, here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am your host, Joe Molinax, flying solo once again here on Lockdown Grizzlies. The wonderful DeMichael Cole will hopefully be back with us on our Wednesday episode, which I'm very excited about, the final game for the All-Star break. I don't know about you, but I could use some rest. I feel like part of this episode being so crazy is, you know, DeMichael's not here to rein me in. I My ideas can flow freely. I'm starting David Roddy. I'm playing Santi Aldama at the three more. And now I am going to lean into what Luke Kennard once was to help me start fourth quarters faster. When Luke Kennard played for the Detroit Pistons before he went to Los Angeles to be a part of the Clippers, he was given a lot more opportunity than he was in L.A. to be a facilitator, a creator on the dribble. And he has done some strong work in that area. It's been a while, but I think that there is a skill set there that has gone not utilized in a long time for Luke. Maybe that's because of injury, the way that Ty Lue sees how point guard play should occur. There's lots of different factors. There's a concern about playing Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard together because of their undersized nature on the wing, and that's a very fair concern. I understand that completely. Jaw, Bain, Kennard, probably not the strongest defensive lineup. Whatever offensive explosiveness they can have would be negated by those defensive issues. One of the reasons that you probably won't see that a lot unless Memphis is down by a lot 
or it's late in the game and they're doing offensive defensive substitutions. Luke Kennard as an offensive sub with the starters, Dylan Brooks as a defensive sub. That makes a lot of sense. Bain and Kennard together as perimeter guys, maybe not as logical. Unless, unless it's Kennard or Bain playing the point. Bain, Kennard, Brooks, whatever bigs you want. It could be Aldama and Jackson if you really want to work on your spacing. It can be Clark and Jackson if you want to make sure you're sound on the back end defensively. Aldama and Tillman, Aldama and Clark. There's lots of different ways you can utilize the front court and David Roddy who I mentioned earlier in the show, if you want to give him some run as a small ball four, there's all sorts of different mixing and matching that you can do in the front court. I'm more interested in the back court. But Joe, what about Tyus Jones? Tyus Jones is important. Tyus Jones is important when he's starting in place of John Moran. Tyus Jones has underachieved as a reserve this season and has not been his strongest campaign in that way. He hasn't had a chance to start as much because John Morant has played more. And he has not had the season that he likely would like to have had aside from when he's a starter. He's still extremely strong in terms of assist to usage ratio. He's comparable to what he was last year in part in terms of points per shot attempt, but he is struggling as a true reserve. He is not thriving in that role for the Grizzlies as he has in the past. He is currently posting a career worst, or at least since his rookie year, a career worst and point efficiency differential, according to cleaning the glass. He's at a minus 7.8. You can point and say, hey, that's because the bench is bad. He's playing with bad players. He's making $15 million a year, dear listener, dear viewer. I expect a little bit more from a sixth or seventh man in the Grizzlies rotation. I don't know about you, but to see him have an offense that is worse when he's on the floor, and a defense that is worse when he's on the floor, really bad, 12th percentile, according to Cleaning the Glass. Tyus as a reserve obviously needs to continue. He should see minutes in the third quarter. He should get reps and rest for John Morant. But I'm ready to see Luke Kennard in that spot. I'm ready to see Desmond Bain in that spot. I'm ready to see those two guys share the responsibility a little bit more and let their spacing be on the floor together alongside the likes of a Dylan Brooks. Now, Dylan can take on that most demanding backcourt perimeter player responsibility in terms of scoring, and you can have Bain and Kennard out there to maximize their offensive spacing potential. Again, in terms of conversion percentage, the two best three-point shooters in the NBA the last couple of seasons have been Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard. They play on the same team now. And while they are not going to be able to play together consistently at the two and the three, traditionally speaking, Taylor Jenkins, oh, I'm sorry, theoretical head coach Joe Mullinax, needs to find ways to get those two guys on the floor together. And let's go back to the front court just for a moment. You put Santi Aldama and Jaron Jackson Jr. out there, you have four legitimate three-point shooting threats next to Dylan Brooks. Who has all the room in the world to get to their spots in the mid-range? Dylan Brooks. If Dylan can't find his shot and be in a position to be successful alongside those four guys, it's going to be extremely difficult for him to ever be able to do it. And if he leaves in free agency, it might be a good thing. But I believe that Dylan Brooks would be able to get to the basket more freely. He'd be able to have space to operate in the mid-range and find his rhythm and his spots for his shots. And it would be a boon for Dylan to have that much room to operate. 
say you want to go Jackson and Clark. Brandon Clark, much more better, or much better, excuse me, in the pick and roll. We talked about that earlier in the show. Both Bain and Kennard. Kennard, not recently. Again, this is a bit of a leap of faith. But Nuke, as he is belovingly called, in Detroit was able to throw some lob passes. You think Brandon Clark likes that? Desmond Bain has grown as a primary facilitator. He's not as good as John Morant. You could argue he's not as good at that particular skill when it comes to the point as Tyus Jones. You're probably right. But again, I'm shaking things up. I've seen Tyus Jones play the reserve this season, and it hasn't been getting the job done. Now you have a guy in Luke Kennard consistently getting the job done. Now you have a guy in Luke Kennard who has shown the propensity, the capability in the past to provide that kind of skill set. Desmond Bain can do the same thing. We've seen him more recently. Put those two out there together as the one and the two, the two and the one, the one A and the one B, whatever you want to call it. They share the responsibility. And now you have the ability to benefit from that floor spacing. It is too tantalizing for theoretical head coach Joe Mullinax to allow for Bain and Kennard to only play together in situational basketball when the game is too far gone and you're trying to get caught up by launching threes or offense defensive switches, which by the way, in reality, breaking away from my theoretical exercise for a moment, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams, those guys should close out games. Maybe Brandon Clark in spots if you really want to focus on switchable defense. On the perimeter, it should be Luke Kennard, offensive possession, Dylan Brooks, defensive possession. You need a stop, Dylan should be on the floor. You need a bucket, Luke should be on the floor. That should be the way that it works moving forward. Luke provides the spacing. Dylan provides that defensive tenacity. In the absence of being able to acquire Mikel Bridges or Kevin Durant, combine Luke Kennard and Dylan Brooks, and while that would be a weird-looking baby, it would be a baby that is a pretty stout NBA perimeter player. But in my thought exercise, I want to see Bain and Kennard together more. I want to have the opportunity to maximize their talents as a pairing. And the best way to do that is at the one and the two. If that means less minutes for Tyus Jones, I need to see Tyus lead that reserve unit better. And maybe he will. He's had success at times this season, but he's been much better as a starter than he is as a reserve to this point in the 2022-2023 season. Morant and Tyus together, it can happen. Not a huge fan of it. I've seen it. I'm ready to move on from it. I haven't seen Kennard at the one or two and Bain at the two or one. Let's mix it up a little bit. Let's put, let's give David Roddy some run as a big. Let's give Santi Aldama some run as a wing, some more run as a wing. And let's let Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard find each other and maximize their powers from beyond the arc. Just some suggestions, Taylor, in case you're interested, but you're probably not. But that's okay. I know you're listening. I know you're watching. You're doing a great job. I'm just trying to help. Just some things to noodle on going into the Utah Jazz game. Thank you so much for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next time we're together here on Locked On Grizzlies, we will have a game to preview. Once again, the final game of this pre-All-Star slate. The Memphis Grizzlies are at home against the Utah Jazz. We'll have a chance to talk about these new-look Jazz, hopefully with DeMichael Cole, who will rejoin me on the next episode. We'll preview that game, 
I'll get to Michael's thoughts on some of the crazy things I've talked about on this episode. Maybe he has a rotation idea. Maybe he wants to reflect on what the Boston Celtics game meant to the Grizzlies. Lots of things that we can catch up on with Michael on the next episode. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you're following us at LockedOnGrizz on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed, rating, reviewing, liking, commenting, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on the Locked on Grizzlies channel over on YouTube. It's been an extremely successful last almost week over on the YouTube page. We've had a great run with our podcast version as well, but YouTube has really taken off. Thank you so much to everybody that's watched and listened. Continue to do so. Subscribe. Make sure you're commenting, liking. Continue to help us make Lockdown Grizzlies the best podcast it can be. I'm appreciative. I know my co-host, Michael Cole, is as well. Keep it up. Stick with us. We're going to keep having a great time here on Lockdown Grizzlies as we go through the NBA season. Until next time, until Wednesday, I am Joe Mullinax. Hopefully you don't judge me too harshly for my craziness. I think there's some logical beauty in my crazy. Maybe let me know what you're thinking about all that in the comments below or wherever you're listening, hit us up and let us know how you think my lineup tweaks would actually work if they were actually going to happen. Santi Aldama as a wing has happened before, but David Roddy is big, Kennard and Bain together at the one and the two. Talk it out with us. Until next time, I'm Joe Molinax. Thank you again. Stay locked in. This is Locked on Grizzlies.